All right, let's resume our Bible study with Deuteronomy. And when we start a new book, I always like to give you a little background. The Talmud, which are the Jewish commentaries, calls the book of Deuteronomy Mishneh Torah, which means an explanation of the Torah. So it's not meant to be just, what's that? Uh, Mishneh Torah, yeah. It's not meant to be just a restatement of it, but to help us understand the commandments. And as we go through Deuteronomy here, that's what I want to do too. It's not just say this is the commandment, but talk about how do we apply it? How do we make it real in our lives? The entire book of Deuteronomy was spoken by Moses in the last five weeks of his life. He knows he cannot cross the river with Israel. He cannot go into the promised land. And Israel believes that they're wholly righteous before God and will never do anything wrong to disappoint him. And Moses knows better. So there are two Hebrew words for saying stuff, if you will. Amar is the Hebrew verb that means he said. What you're going to find in Deuteronomy is deber. Deber, he spoke isn't just a nice conversational voice like you and I speaking. When it says he spoke, he's pounding the podium. He is preaching like the old-fashioned Southern Baptist preacher whose face turns beet red as they're screaming at you. He's essentially telling the children of Israel, you're not as righteous as you think you are. And that if you think you can't do anything wrong, you're going to go astray. And when you go astray, God's going to judge you. He's going to punish you. He's going to send you to captivity. He's going to do things you're not going to like. We know how well that went over, but okay. The title of the book of Deuteronomy in a Jewish published Bible is Devarim. Devarim means words. Words, because the first verse begins, these are the words which Moses spoke. When tempted by Satan in the wilderness, let's go to the book of Matthew. From what book did Messiah quote three times? He quoted from Deuteronomy three times. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1 for context. Then Yeshua was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, Messiah Yeshua, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. The next time Messiah responds is in verse 7. After the next temptation, Yeshua said to him, being Satan, It is written again, quote, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. The next time the devil tempts him, he responds in verse 10. 
Then Yeshua said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. What other book did Messiah quote to Satan? The answer is none. Just Deuteronomy. To him, Deuteronomy was sufficient to answer all the temptations. What does that say about what Messiah thought of Deuteronomy? Pretty high regard. To me, that's a good enough reason for us to study it. But let's look also where the Bible cites Deuteronomy. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. I'm not going to go to all the places to do that. We'd have to study the book of Deuteronomy. It's quoted all throughout the scriptures. Mark 10 verses 1 through 4. Mark 10, verses 1 through 4. Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again as he was accustomed. He taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. Answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. That's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 to 4. So whom does Messiah say wrote Deuteronomy? Moses. Still, the school of higher criticism today says, how do we know Moses wrote it? The Lord said so. What more do I need to know? Let's look also at Mark 12, verse 19. Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. That's called leveret marriage. That's from Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. Again, they cite Moses as the author. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. You know, probably most people out there in the world, if you said who wrote Acts, would say Paul did. But Paul didn't write Acts. Luke did. But Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Did you say 22? I said Acts chapter 3, and I'm in the wrong place. Verse 22. I'm in chapter 2, verse 22. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things what he, whatever he says to you. It shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Where did Moses say that? That's in Deuteronomy 18, right? Yeah, that's in Deuteronomy 18. So in the book of Acts, they say Moses wrote Deuteronomy. Let's go to Acts chapter 7, verse 37. 
Acts chapter 7, verse 37. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Again from Deuteronomy 18. Romans chapter 10. Now Paul really did write this one. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Romans chapter 10. You're right. Romans chapter 10. Oh, my goodness. And it's not like I get excited or anything. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verse 19. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I'll provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I'll move you to anger by a foolish nation. That's from Deuteronomy 32.21. So the Lord says, Moses wrote it. In the book of Mark, it says Moses wrote it. In the book of Acts, it says Moses wrote it. In the book of Romans, it says Moses wrote it. So who do you think wrote it? Yes, I agree with you. Moses wrote it. In 37 days. Covers 37 days. So let's get into Deuteronomy. Let's start with chapter 1, verse 1. It says, These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazarot, and Dizahab. This is on the other side of the Jordan River from the nation of Israel in what's today called Jordan. This is the final place where Israel's about to cross the Jordan River to go into the city of Jericho. Moses can't go. So he stands up and he pounds the podium because the word debear here, these are the words which Moses spoke. That word is debear, it's pael. And a pael verb means strong emotion. Where amar is a pa'al verb, which is simple action. This is strong emotion. What's that? Debear. D-I-B-E-R. Debear. It's a dalit hirach bait with a sere and a resh. Debear. And notice who he's speaking to. Not Israel, all Israel. Why does he use such an all-inclusive term? Because there's a mixed multitude that's been grafted in. How do we know there's a mixed multitude? Yeah, let's go back to Exodus. It says so. I've had a lot of preachers say, I don't remember there being any mixed multitude that left with Israel. I'll say, let's pick up our Bibles. And they go, well, never mind. Yep, look at Exodus 12, verse 38. A mixed multitude went up with them also, in flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. What happened to the mixed multitude? They get grafted in. Just like the, 
believers from the Gentile world today get grafted into Israel. Romans 11, right? And then what you said, Daniel? Go to Romans 11. What's that? That's exactly what you said. Romans chapter, you thought I wasn't listening. I heard. Romans 11, verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, and the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So it's talking about the Gentile believer is grafted into the tree of Israel. That's why Moses uses the phrase, all Israel. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 19. Paul writes to the believers in the church at Corinth. Do they come out of the Jewish world or the Gentile world? Gentile world. 1 Corinthians 12.2 says you know that you were Gentiles. But 1 Corinthians 7.19 says circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Okay, so the mixed multitude gets grafted into Israel. Is there any other place we can look at in the Old Testament where Gentiles were grafted in? There's the book of Ruth, where Ruth is proclaiming that she will never depart, never leave, and she gets grafted in. So that's two examples. Isaiah 56 talks about Gentiles who come in, who serve the Lord. That's three. Yeah, that's what he just said. Isaiah 56. How about Rahab? Rahab, was she a Jew? No, but she gets grafted in and becomes one of the progenitors of Messiah. And ancestor King David. So how many are we up to? Is that four or five? Four. Then let's put five. Go to the book of Esther. Turn to Esther. We read Esther every year at which festival? Purim. Purim. The book of Esther. Let's see, which chapter? Nine. Chapter 9? Yep, I'm almost there. Verse which? 27. 27. You said 9? Uh, that's not the one I'm looking for. It's not the one. Let's see. There's a particular verse that says many of the people of the land became Jews that day. That's in chapter 8. Okay. Verse 17. Thank you. 
left-hand side of the page. It's a different Bible, okay. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness of feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because the fear of the Jews fell upon them. So that's at least five times where Gentiles were grafted in over the years and became so grafted in that several are in the genealogy of Messiah. That's being grafted in pretty good in my book. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Wait, I see a red number 1 out here and go to meeting land. And it says, Joseph and his two sons. That's right. Joseph's two sons were born of an Egyptian woman, not a Jewish mother. And Jacob himself does what? He adopts them. And they become tribes in Israel. So there's six examples. That's enough for me. Thank you, though, Rachel and Mark. Verse 2, Deuteronomy 1-2. This one's almost funny if it wasn't so sad. It's 11 days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. It's taken them 38 years to get there and 11 days' journey. Why did it take him 38 years to make an 11 days journey? Because they were going round and round and round in circles, right? Because the Lord told them, let's go look, let's go read. Let's see. The total time they were in the wilderness was 40 years, right? That's the time of testing. But it's two years before they start the journey. And that's why they wander for another 38 to make a total 40. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14. That's like walking from here to Elegy and it takes 30 years. Numbers 14.33 And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years. And bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses, God bless you, are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years. You shall know my rejection. But you know, this also shows God's mercy because he gave him credit for the two years time served in the wilderness already. And then Numbers chapter 32. Yes, I'm. I did an in-depth study of Exodus. Uh-huh. Several months. And I uh, used my Messianic Bible. And I was kind of stunned to find in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Exodus 13, verse 17. May I just go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, this would be the final time, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, the giants, and you know, all that, and they return to Egypt. But God led them about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Yes, uh-huh. And so that caused me to understand that it wasn't that was an additional part of 
the Lord knew their hearts that they would be afraid and return back to Egypt, and he didn't want them to do that. So that's why they did that 40 years. Extra, extra no, it's not why they did the extra 40 years. It's why they took the roundabout way to Mount Sinai. There was a more direct route to Mount Sinai. And it was at Mount Sinai they stayed for two years. And then after that, they got added the 38 years of wandering because of the bad report from the spies. So he could have led them a shorter way to Mount Sinai. But they would have lost heart and gone back to Egypt. So he took them the longer way around to Mount Sinai. But that was just a few days' journey. They got to Mount Sinai within the 50 days between Passover and Shavuot. Okay. okay. All right, thank you. Yep. Yeah. Numbers 32, if we didn't read it yet. I don't think we did. Verse 13. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel. <coughs> and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And here's why we call it a time of testing. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, comma, here we go, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And why did he only let two of them who were of age go into the promised land? They showed faith. They were the ones who showed faith and kept the commandments. Right. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. We're up to verse 3. Deuteronomy 1.3. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month. Now is this Olua 1 in the first day of Teshuvah in the fall? No. This is the 11th month in the spring. It's a month until the time of Passover. So it's the 40th year, the 11th month, first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. Okay, two things I want to note here is to show that it's right before Passover. Let's go to Joshua chapter 5. And see what happens just after they pass through the Jordan River into the promised land. Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. Oops, I see five red numbers. Let me come out here and see. Okay, looks like it was just a question about where I was. Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. Gilgal's where you get the word Galilee. 
and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight, that's Bain HaAravim, 3 p.m., on the plains of Jericho. So they come into the land, and a few days later, it's time for Passover. The other thing I want you to note in verse 3 of Deuteronomy 1, what did Moses speak to the children of Israel about? All that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. So there are other commandments that are not in Deuteronomy. But they're not for all the people to do. They're to build the ark, to how you do the sacrifices, the priesthood's garments. These are not things that you and I have to do. So Deuteronomy encapsulates the commandments that are for all people everywhere. It doesn't include the things that only the priests do because they have those in Leviticus. When, when they passed over into uh, what in the river at flood? Yes, the river was at flood and as soon springs, as the priests stood the, rings, put the first feet in the river, it split in two. Right, yep. It was flooding because of the spring rains. Because of the spring rains, you're absolutely right. So verse 3, he spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him his commandments to do. That's why in Deuteronomy 31, which we read in our first session this morning, it's the book of Deuteronomy that gets read to everyone. They don't read from Genesis to Deuteronomy, just the book of Deuteronomy. Because it contains all the commandments that you and I need to be concerned with. And as we study through it, look for something it omits. So verse 4. After he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and O, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtaroth in Edre. Why does Moses particularly refer to these two events? Yeah, these are giants. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 21. Why did the children of Israel, 10 of the 12 spies, give a bad report? Because the people in the land were giants. And they run into two groups of giants on the other side of the Jordan River. That is Sihon and his group and Og and his group. And we'll see how God handles them. Numbers chapter 21. Sihon is verses 21 to 32. Og is from verses 33 to 35. Whoops, thank you. I see four more red things out there. Okay, Numbers 21, verse 21. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from wells. We will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. Which means it won't cost you a thing. We won't eat your crops. We won't destroy your crops. We won't even drink the water from your wells. It'll cost you nothing. Just let us pass through. How many of you as good neighbors would let somebody walk through your property if they promised not to hurt anything? 
They're just walking through. Most of us would. So why does Sion take a different attitude? Sion is a giant, means he's an offspring of the fallen angels. Who do they serve? Satan, Satan not God. Yeah, if you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 6, let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 for a moment. In case you've never seen it, I'm sure you have. Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, that refers to the angels, saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. That's interesting. That means it's 120 years till the flood and all air breathers are getting wiped out. But it also tells us that the total days of man are 120 years. If God refers here to jubilee years, what's 120 jubilee years? 6,000 years. So there can be a sowed, a deeper meaning there. But anyway, verse 4, And there were giants on the earth in those days, but the word isn't giants. It's Nephilim. Nephilim means the fallen ones. Nephal is the Hebrew verb that means to fall. So the fallen ones. So they're offspring of the fallen angels. Go back to Numbers 21, because many of you probably didn't care to know that. Verse 23, but Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together, went out against Israel in the wilderness, and he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. It's not enough to say, no, you can't pass through. He's going to kill them all. Then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok. Those are two rivers. They run from Jordan down to the Jordan River. As far as the people of Ammon, for the border of the people of Ammon was fortified. So Israel took all these cities, and Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon and in all its villages. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and had taken all his land from his hand as far as the Arnon. Therefore, those who speak in Proverbs say, Come to Heshbon, let it be built. Let the city of Sihon be repaired. For fire went out from Heshbon, a flame from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the lords of the heights of the Arnon. Woe to you, Moab, you have perished, O people of Chemosh. He has given his sons as fugitives and his daughters into captivity to Sihon, king of the Amorites. But we have shot at them. Heshbon has perished as far as Debon. Then we laid waste as far as Nopha, which reaches to Medaba. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. Then Moses went to spy out Jazer, and they took its villages and drove out the Amorites who were there. Now we turn to Og, king of Bashan. Bashan is the mountains right at the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. They're the most southerly mountains toward the Galilee of the Golan Heights. And they turned and went up by the way to Bashan. 
So Og, king of Bashan, went out against them, he and all his people, to battle at Edre. The Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him into your hand with all his people in this land. And you shall do to him as you did to Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. So they defeated him, his sons, and all his people, until there was no survivor left, and they took possession of his land. So why did Moses include this here? They're about to go over into the promised land that the spies said we can't take because there's giants in the land. And Moses said, what did God do to the giants on this side? They didn't stand a chance. Has God's arm been shortened? No. Yes, ma'am. So the he in verse 4 is God because he killed these people? Yeah. Why they didn't capitalize it, I don't know. But the point is, if they will stay true to God, they have nothing to fear from the giants in the land. For God is well able to take care of them one and all. Deuteronomy 1 verse 5. On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law saying that word explain is bayar which comes from the verb ba'ar which means to make plain or clear so Moses is not trying to just reiterate them to just state them again he wants to make sure everybody understands the Jewish sages tell us that he explained it in every language of all the people that were there. Remember the mixed multitude were not all Hebrew speakers. So just as God had spoken in all languages of the nations, that Moses explained it to everybody in their own language. So that they could not be with, they would not have an excuse to say, well, he, he spoke it all in Hebrew and I didn't understand, so I didn't know not to do that. That's what they say. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. If you can't find Habakkuk, look for have a cookie. Habakkuk chapter 2. In verse 2, we see the same word, the same verb, ba'ar, which means to make plain or clear. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. That make it plain is from that same verb, ba'ar. That it may run who reads it. Meaning, don't let them have any excuse. Make it clearly understood. And the last thing I want us to understand from Deuteronomy verse, chapter 1, verse 5, is what is Moses beginning to explain? This Torah. This Torah. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to refer to the word Torah. And it's going to refer to the book of Deuteronomy. Because in Moses' view, he has summarized and explained everything in Torah 
that you and I, the common person, needs to know and understand in order to follow God in a way that's pleasing in his eyes. And with that, we've run out of time. We'll have to pick up next week, Lord willing, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6.